everybody and welcome to episode 218 of we podcast and we know things one of our favorite episodes of the year my name is greg hall and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business sam matura final pod of the year it's insane and we love like i had mentioned this is one of our favorite pods to do it's our annual we pod awards our fourth annual golf clap our fourth annual we pod awards where we go through our top three favorites of the year in films tv shows games albums and even our top three worst now not of every category just our top three worst overall of 2020 it is always 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 a fun time filled with arguments and when the fuck did you watch that and are you kidding me no. i love this time i just feel like i i haven't watched enough i, I for some reason i just feel like i've been slacking yeah I, listen 2020 will do that to you on top of that sam you've played more games this year or at least dedicated more hours to gaming this year than arguably any year of your life no uh, honestly out of everything it's my favorite top three this year. The games? Yeah, 100%. A- absolutely. I mean, you had, to, I'm, honestly, you know, I won't honestly everything else I'm like, eh, but games, I'm actually really excited. TV shows is the one I'm most looking forward to. Games, obviously, like I think if anybody knows me, yeah. games, is, I'm, I'm so excited to finally get to say my game of the year. My God, I've been sitting like, and hinting. I, 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 I think I have more game picks than anything else. Right. I am uh, in the 20s for all of them. So except if you ask Nintendo, I have I've apparently played 82 Nintendo games this year. So I don't You're know. You're a maniac. Um, I, I, I am so excited for this. I TV just had a, the best year I've ever I've ever, ever watched this year. So 2020 was the best TV year I've ever had. And that was without a Stranger Things season. Just let that sink in. That Stranger Things was not a part of it. So that was huge. Movies was a little rough this year. Um, I don't think one or two of my top three would have made it in another year, but uh, there was something about I went. The last movie I saw in theaters was Sonic, and that was back in February. There's something about just yeah, Sonic's not on my list. Me, me neither. It's just something about being able to, you know, experience it in my house or on my iPad. I, yeah. Movies hit different for me, so I, I actually am very much looking forward to talking about them. And there are three movies on there. Um, Let's see. Did I talk about any of them on this show? I talked about uh, one of them. So the other two I have never talked about. And so like a little tease last week, I had said for my TV shows, all three of them were new shows, not seasons of something new. I have flipped the script on that for one of them. So very excited to talk about this. It's such a heavy hitter for TV. And because I can't contain it to top three on my personal Facebook page, uh, on January 1st, I'm just going to start blurting out lists of all my favorites of the year for all my Facebook friends to hopefully see. And, and if they haven't watched or listened or played yet, take the recommendations. But I love this time of year. It is our last episode ever on Squawker. Uh, thank you so much to the Squawker team for at least one episode of video uh, before we before <laughs> no, went all the It was way. one solid episode of video and then it just, <laughs> I don't know, it shrunk. But after other than that, it was short and sweet. After March, let's see, what's that? Six, seven, six or seven months of doing it over the phone with quality that, quite frankly, didn't even make me want to listen back to it. <laughs> to be able to hear us in crystal clear HD again together, like yeah. we were in the same room, it took for granted. Like you almost take for granted being able to be in the same room and doing it. 
No, I, I think we did. And that was the whole point. I was like, all right, I have to use my microphone. Squawker came along and, I, and I'm glad we jumped on for the little ride we did. Yeah. And, and so we'll be leaving the platform as it is shutting down. But don't fret. We've already found a replacement service. Now, we've never used them. We would imagine it's similar to <laughs> We Squawker. can only hope it's, it's, it's good. I have heard amazing things. And as a matter of fact, yeah, Colin Moriarty uses this program that we're going to use to do his podcast and they sound great. So I have a good feeling. Now he probably uses the paid one. We're going to use the free one and all the hoops (laughs) that come with that. If it's free, it's for me, baby. Looking forward to that. Again, you said it's the last part of the year. Uh, We just had Christmas pass. I haven't even really talked to you about Christmas. I I think we wished each other a Merry Christmas, but that was it. How was your Christmas? No, I I mean, I I think it was as best as 2020 Christmas is going to go. You know, obviously we didn't travel and, you know, just abiding, I guess you could say. And, you know, just glad to know the family's safe, everyone's healthy, and that's about all I can wish for. I have, to give a, I, have a, I have to give a shout out to my brother's in-laws, uh, my brother's wife's family, because they sent out a Christmas card that was beyond all expectations for Christmas cards. Um, they sent a Zoom Christmas card out. And by that, oh, wow. I mean it was it was a screenshot of the entire family on Zoom in different rooms. And it was just a brilliant card. It was funny as all hell. So kudos to that family for doing that. I'm sure uh, that was fun to print up and send out. But I was going to say, my sister sent a edible, or uh, what was it? Edible arrangements. It was like uh, chocolate nice. covered pretzel, uh, pretzels, Oreos. You know, it was pretty good. That's nice. We true. did. So we have a small family bubble. We kind of have to um, yeah, based yeah. on some stuff. So we allowed that bubble into Christmas. So yeah, uh, nice. we, we had a very nice. small family gathering with some ham and th- that was on Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas day, we had another meal, a completely different meal. It was also ham and uh, it was fun. <laughs> we had a lot of, a nice. lot of fun. I, I always love seeing my family and it was very, very, very cool because my n- two nephews, uh, both around eight to 10, we'll say had never seen a PlayStation five. So when they went over to uncle Greg's house, he kind of flexed a little bit, and brought him downstairs. <laughs> oh, I, I'm glad you're able to flex on him, dude. They were playing Astros Playroom for two hours. It was it was pretty fun just to watch them oh. play. When my when my younger nephew picked up the Dual Sense and the adaptive triggers hit, I gave him that controller demo in the beginning. Yeah, he was like, he was like, I can't push it down. <laughs> you just got to push a little harder. That's great. <laughs> So uh, we have our normal start to the show. We'll do our picks of the week. We'll do uh, some trivia, and then we'll jump right into the fourth annual Wee Pod Awards. So let's start, as we always do, customarily, with our picks of the week. I finally saw the uh, Disney's live-action Lion King, and and I I thought it was great. Oh, <laughs> it was it was they gave you exactly what you got in the cartoon in live action. Boom. That's it. Period. That's exactly. I, I knew what I was going in getting. I thought it was fantastic. I had wow. forgotten that Donald Glover was um, Simba. Simba. Completely yeah. forgot. Didn't know until the credits. I thought Seth Rogen was hilarious. He cracked me up. As Pumbaa, I'm not going to lie. Your, your boy, John Oliver. I thought you would have loved Azazu, but I don't know. I know you didn't like the film. Well, I liked individual pieces of it. I, I thought it was the least offensive of the Disney live action movies. Like, I, I don't think it was Jungle bad. Book's next. Just, Jungle Book's next on my list, but honestly, yeah, Jungle I, Book wasn't terrible. I, I I thought it was good. I was like, man, John Favreau, he made one point six billion on this film. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, it's you know, obviously it's mixed because it's fifty two percent around tomatoes. So obviously, people felt different, but I was like, hey, I knew what I was getting going in. 
live action, I thought they did a great job. I was happy. I think people are just mad that it is a shot for shot remake and didn't take any liberties or chances. But well, then see, you have like Aladdin, which took liberties and then got shit on. This was to see how it was, you know, mixed people liked it. Now we're getting the sequel. It made a boatload of money. So now we're going to, this will be put to the test. How good was it? The next story they could tell. Yeah. And it'll be go right to Disney plus. <laughs> what hey, a perfect. Shock. And perfect. What I paid for it. So I'll take it. Yeah. My pick of the week is my favorite show that I watched in 2020, but it didn't come out in 2020. So it does not qualify for a wee pot award, but it beat out every show in terms of enjoyment. And that is Cobra Kai. Um, and I say that because season three has been moved up from January 8th to January 1st. So you get to watch Cobra Kai season uh, – I'm sorry, season three? Yeah, season three. Yep. Uh, in like two days. I cannot wait. So yes, by the time you're hearing this, Cobra Kai will be out, hence why it's my pick of the week. When you listen to this podcast and you hear me say Cobra Kai, if you haven't watched it yet, start now at season one. If you, if you forgot about season three dropping – Go pick it up. If you thought it was still coming out on the 8th, no, it's on the 1st. Stop what you're doing. Go watch it. Then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. It's the best show I watched in 2020. It would have been my number one on TV shows of the year if season two hadn't dropped in 2019, not 2020. It's everything you want. And by the way, you do not, do not need to have watched the Karate Kid movies to enjoy this film because I don't remember a TV goddamn show. thing. What did I say? No, the movies to a I said the Karate Kid movies to enjoy this. And you don't have to have watched it. And that's it's a beautiful thing for a two-season TV show of something that, quite frankly, we never thought we would have ever needed. It started as a YouTube original show that you had to pay $10 for that they gave you a free preview. It was unbelievable. I cannot wait for season three. Now it has Netflix backing, and I cannot wait. Let's get more Johnny Lawrence, who is the good guy. Daniel's son, bad guy. Uh, Cobra Kai, season three, January 1st. Cannot wait. Sam, what do you got for trivia? As it is 16 and a half for me, 15 and a half for you as we race to 11, win by two. And Cobra Kai is still on the list. I did not see it yet. But your question, to the your question to to the is, is right up your alley. I, I, I think this is a layup for you. What Pokemon card set featured the first secret rare? I'm sorry, what, what Pokemon card set featured the first secret rare? Correct. Oh, I don't know. I don't. You're right that I would. It's like right up my alley, but. Uh, uh, all right. I need the answers, but I have a set name in my head. So if it's one of your answers, I'm just going to go with it. Okay. We have A, Neogenesis, B, Team Rocket, C, Base Set 2, D, Gym Heroes. I was going to say Neo Destiny, so I'll go with Neo Genesis. Incorrect. What is it? Base it, was, it was Team Rocket, uh, and it was Dark Raichu. Ooh, I love that card. That is a secret rare. Yep. Damn. Do you have that card? I do not, unfortunately. Uh, okay. okay. Maybe our boy the Chunk Lord does. I don't know. The corner mm-hmm. view for those who. I believe. I wouldn't, I, be, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he's doing a top 20 Pokemon on Instagram right now, and it's a lot of fun. I like following it. It's cool. I mean, he's got some terrible picks on there, buddy. Freaking oh, Jesus. Oh, I know. I'm going to be that guy who calls out a friend of the show. Oh, God. I feel so bad. But how are you going to rank number four? How are you going to rank Del Fox? Del Fox sucks. All right. Moving on. Moving on, Sam. Your trivia question. See if I can uh, tie it up. It's tough because I don't know if you'll have any idea. Uh, 
I, I rolled credits on Ghost of Tsushima, as I think you know, based on my text message to you. Uh, of course. <laughs> so just like you asked me, within two hours, what was my total runtime? What was your total? Oh, and see, and, and the difference, I at least gave him, I gave Greg like updates. Like he was last ah, updated, at, he was last updated the, at 50 hours. If you listen to the show on time, which I know you don't, I dropped hints as well. And I actually gave you the time, I think an episode or two ago. When we talked, when it was your pick of the week, I gave you my time. So I don't feel bad. It's over 30. <laughs> it's not 60. It's between 30 and 60. There you go. Good. I, I, I was like, Greg probably beat it faster than I did. He didn't I explore. did beat it faster than you did. I was like, you didn't explore like I didn't get deep into the trenches. You didn't become the ghost. Oh, I did, though. I yeah, did. You probably did 50, 52. I got it. I'm sorry, what? 52. Oh, you're so close. 48. Oh, you're so close. That was really good. 48. That's right. Now, I left uh, like seven missions for Norio because I just didn't like them. I left I left Yuna's last four missions. Uh, and I left three camps to be liberated before I rolled credits. I kind of just got tired and I wanted to. Yeah, uh, of course. I, I was, yeah, I was, I was to, to really beat all the missions. This was over 50 hours. Like, yeah. You know. And so I went back. So I'm actually at 61 now. Um, and I've liberated all the camps. I caught up on Nuria. What's up? I was I meant to say over 60 hours. Like there's just so much you have to do. Yeah. And so I caught up on the Norio stuff. I beat all the Yuna stuff. I love it too. Cause if you don't complete their stuff, it actually changes the first thing Yuna says to you after the credits roll, which is neat. Um, I, you had told me about a choice and then I kind of figured that choice was coming and I kind of got antsy. I knew there was a choice. I was like, I kind of want to see this through and then I'll just go back and beat the shit uh, afterwards. Yeah. So I actually skipped a lot of stuff in the third act and just kind of went right for the main missions uh, there's only 25 main missions. Like if I were to new game plus this, because I'm already as powerful as it gets, I am the ghost of Tsushima. I have all my armors. Every one of them are fully upgraded. My swords are fully upgraded. Nice. Um, I have every unlocked uh, technique and skill point. I have the full skill tree. So like, like nice. you, I could just go run through it again. You could beat this game pretty quick. If you just go main missions on new game plus. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll ever do it because how I did. With the, how are you with the bow? I, w- I mean, once it got used to the 60 frames on PS5, like that was an adjustment, but I actually stopped doing the slowdown um, later in the game because I just wanted to try. I just love that bow. I actually barely use the long bow. I, I mostly use half bow. Um, I but- used to- once I run out of arrows, then yeah, yeah, I'd had to go to the heavy, you know? Yeah, well, sometimes the the other archers were wearing helmet armor, so you couldn't get headshots. So I had to use the Oh, helmet. you there was a little they peaked. The little opening in the face. You had a, a little, little peak. A little bit of opening in the face. Yeah, it's just it was a brilliant game. I'm sure it's going to yeah. come up in a, in a few minutes uh, in our top three games when we talk about it. But yeah, so um, you were very very you were literally within one or two, even with the the two I was giving you. Um, but just just I'll so turn, good, I'll, I'll so excited. And and I wanted to to see the other ending. I picked one ending. I went to YouTube and checked out the other one, and I'm kind of glad I chose the way I chose. And it turned out that I chose the one you didn't choose. So you and I combined have experienced the full game. Yeah, and I, I felt like the game deserved it. it. It got all this praise, and and I, I I'm gl- I'm glad we we both took the plunge because I, I think it was worth it. 
Let's move into it. Our fourth annual WePod Awards. We look forward to this every year. I love it so much. Now, what I usually do is I usually accompany our awards with like a 25 thing wish list for 2021. I did not do that this year. Either uh, because a couple of reasons. Number one, I had already talked a lot about my Nintendo once and predictions in our first and one one of only two Nintendo episodes. And number two, um, just kind of didn't have it in me this year. Simple as that. Just yeah. wanted to focus on the awards, and uh, and that's that. Um, so we'll start with movies. I'll start with our top three movies of the year. Drum roll, please. Our top three movies of the year. Sam, I want you to start. What was your number three favorite film of 2020? And and again, I I still feel like I didn't see a lot of movies this year. Obviously, you know, theaters are still closed down for us at the moment. My number three, I I don't know if it would have been on on my list if we had all the movies released, but I went with Onward. I liked Onward. Yeah, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt, little animated, you know, they're elves in this little fantasy world. They have to go on this quest and, you know, to kind of see their dad for one day who, you know, passed away, had this spell to bring him back. And, you know, it had this, this touching meaning behind it. You know, it's, if you think it's about one thing and it's about this, it's about that. And, you know, it, I thought it had a lot of heart behind it. And hopefully more people got to see Onward on Disney plus. It was good. It was a touching movie. Yeah. Um, had a lot of heart to it. Some people give it a lot of flack. I don't. I don't see the flack to that movie. I think it's a pretty good movie. No. Pixar did like a, they did like a Pixar countdown. It landed in like the twenties. It's like, what are you doing? Out of the thirty-two movies Pixar released, it's clearly in the top dozen. I'd say. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I enjoyed it. It was kind of like a little movie I kind of needed to see. At the, you know, at that time, and yeah, I I, I think everyone should see it. Uh, my number three is a movie I was pining, pining, pining to see. It released later in the year. Um, matter of fact, I think it's still in, it's probably not still in theaters because I watched it still on digital. So I imagine it's not on theaters. It did come out in October. Uh, and it's called the kid detective. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one since I heard about it in about the middle of the year. Um, it's rated R it's about an hour and 45 minutes. It stars Adam Brody, um, from Mr. Mrs. Smith from the OC amongst other things. Uh, he is, he was a child detective in his neighborhood and his town going around solving mysteries for people, including a big one that he never actually solved fast forward until he's 32 years old. He still kind of is a burnout loser, you know, kind of trying to shake the kid detective thing from him. He's still a detective. Um, nobody wants to hire him. And, uh, a, a young female comes in, Sophie Nalise, who plays, um, I think her name's Caroline in the movie. She comes in with a big, big case and he gets reinvigorated and tries to kind of clear his name from being just a kid detective. And it's just a brilliantly funny, first of all, murder mystery, a whodunit. I love whodunits. Uh, They're always so much fun. Um, I like to play along with those. So that was that. It had a lot of good heart, a lot of good comedy. 74 on Metacritic, 6.7 on IMDb out of 1,700 ratings. Um, it doesn't have exactly the most star studded cast. Clearly it doesn't have a ton of accolades. I just thought it was the exact movie I wanted at the exact time. I really like Adam Brody and I really like who done it. So it was a good solid mix. It's not going to light the world on fire in like the mass appeal realm, but I thought it was one of the sleeper hits of the year. Clearly my number three. 
My number two. I don't know if you. It, it came. Tech, it came out. I'm going to be honest. In the UK, it came out December third, two thousand nineteen, but it was not released in the United States until Jan- January twenty fourth. So to me, that's still it came out this year, at least for people in the United States, like myself. It was called The Gentleman, directed by Guy Ritchie. I don't know if you remember this one with Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminded me of Lockstock. When it was like one of his first films and had a lot of vibes come from that. I don't think it was as good as Lockstock, but if you like them kind of like his kind of films like that, I think you're going to like this. McConaughey's kind of this marijuana kingpin in England looking to sell his kind of organization and, and people are basically trying to set it up or trying to kill him or whatever. And craziness ensues. Colin Farrell is hilarious. Hugh Grant is great. Charlie Hunnam, he, he wasn't bad. You know, he's kind of his normal self. I feel like he's kind of one of those guys who's kind of the same as everything. And McConaughey, I don't know, he's got that kind of suave kind of attitude. I, I thought it was great and kind of the Guy Ritchie style. And and I had fun. You know, it kind of was one of the few movies that actually made money this year. On a $22 million budget, actually made 115 So it was good to see it made a little bit before, you know, 2020 came what it was. But, you know, I enjoyed The Gentleman. My number two is, uh, and by the way, I want the record to reflect. I texted Sam about a month ago and I said, hey, I have a movie that came out into a film festival in 2019, but didn't hit our shores till 2020. Does it count? And he said no. So I just want to point that out, that the record states that Sam cheated. My number two, The King of Staten Island, uh, Pete Davidson, Bill oh, Burr. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pete Davidson, Bill Burr, Marissa Tomei. Um, a good romp comedy. It has a lot of seriousness to it. It's two hours and fifteen minutes, so you're definitely getting your yeah, you're definitely getting your money's worth. Um, Scott, uh, I'm not sorry, Scott. That's the name of the character. Pete Davidson's dad was a firefighter. He passed away. His mother's redating, but she's dating a firefighter again, and it's Bill Burr. And hilarity and drama ensues. Not much else to it. I wouldn't say it's got the deepest plot of 2020, but it's got a very very wholesome plot and first and foremost i think pete davidson has grown on me this year as an actor more than anybody else in the genre for some yeah, reason what, 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 were you a fan of him before before that movie no yeah, no, yeah. no i wasn't a fan of him until actually this was i only cared about this movie because i recently had or just before this had watched another pete davidson movie that got me into him and that was called big time adolescence the movie that i wanted to put on my list but you were a dick so i i loved him in that. I was like, fuck man, what am I doing? He's actually really solid. Went back, watched some of his SNL highlights and I just fell in love with him as an actor. And then I saw this with Bill Burr and Marissa Tomei. Holy shit. Got to check it out. And so do you, everybody, the King of Staten Island, a really good movie. My number one, I went with old guard. I am so shocked. Extraction did not make your list. What are we doing? I had that pegged. It's it's the the four I had written down was Old Guard, Extraction, The Outpost, and Onward. There God, I had, I had it written down. And you, dude, it's so crazy that a Bad Boys movie came out this year, and it's not going to be on either of our lists. Oh, well, it wasn't really, you know, it, it wasn't the best. We all, yeah, we all know that kind of fell short. Yeah, a little bit. You know what I mean? But I don't know, man. I I, I really love the Old Guard. I was thinking back. I was like, you know what? This movie kind of took me by the most surprise and got me like the most hype for. And mm-hmm. you know, this is one after you see, like you, you really hope for a sequel and it looks, it looks like we are knock on wood, you know, nothing's kind of confirmed, but 
I don't know. I kind of like the vigilante story that, you know, something happens and, you know, you don't expect it and it's a big twist. And, you know, it was based on a comic book. I, I never read, you know, The Old Guard. So I didn't know yeah. the, the full truth behind it. But I don't, I, I thought the cast was great. Uh, Charlize Theron did her thing. And I'm really looking forward to the sequel. You talked this up a ton in our, and when you had it, I think it was one of your picks of the week or we did impressions. I can't remember. But you had a lot of glowing things to say, but there's no surprise it came in on your list. I, I mean, yeah, not not really a, a you know not a lot came out this year, but th- this was the one that really stood out. And like you said, it, I I kind of spoke for it when I first saw it, and after looking at all the movies and thinking, I was like, I, I, it had to be my number one. I stay up late, I wake up early. I'm kind of like a lay in bed at three in the morning, and that's when I watch my movies, kind of guy. And that's why I've watched 23 movies on th- this year. That actually made my list. I forgot about Onward, so that's actually 24. And that's just the ones I put on my list. And I think there was a lot of good stuff that came out this year. But one that hit me the hardest, the one that I want to watch again and can't wait for Ashley to be able to sit down with me and let's just watch it, hon, because I really think you're going to like it. It's a Netflix exclusive film, which sometimes can be a good thing, sometimes can be a bad thing, which I think The Old Guard is also a Netflix exclusive film. Mine is The Trial of the Chicago 7. My film of the year. It wasn't even close. The Trial of the Chicago 7 uh, is the story of the seven. It's actually eight people that are on trial for like the various charges around the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. Um, this year, being an election year, has really re-sparked my interest in politics. I used to be the person who didn't give a shit and didn't think his vote mattered. And I used to be the person who only cared about politics once every four years. But something about this year. Maybe it was there wasn't a lot of other things to, to invest yourself in. Maybe there was too much and I just needed a break from games. Some, maybe I wanted to just grow up a little bit. I don't know. But it took a vested nah. interest in politics. I know, right? I took a vested interest in politics. And I it has stuck with me after the election. And this was a really, really good like reminder that your voice matters. And, and Aaron Sorkin directed it. Aaron Sorkin wrote it. We all know what Aaron Sorkin can do from the newsroom to the West Wing to the social network. He delivers the trial. Of, I think everything he writes has the word the to begin the title uh, of it. But 7.8 on IMDb out of 76,000 reviews, 77 right now on Metacritic. It's got Eddie Redmayne. It's got Sasha Baron Cohen, Jeremy Strong, Alex Sharp, uh, John Carroll Lynch. Dude, it is a stack. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like it's such a stacked cast. Have you heard of this movie? Have you seen it in your recommendations? I, I, I heard of it, but I didn't see it. Listen, it's not for everybody. It, it, uh, it's not. And and after this year, like that, was, you know, that was actually one of like the last things I kind of wanted to dive myself into. But hey, I, I can appreciate you for you know for checking it out and get into it. Two hours and nine minutes. Um, I I couldn't recommend it enough. Now, on top of like murder mysteries and whodunits. Another guilty pleasure of mine, especially in film, uh, are courtrooms. I love courtroom dramas and courtroom films and anything that takes place in a courtroom. So obviously the trial of the Chicago 7, almost the whole damn movie takes place over the six-month period. Now, this is based on a true story. Um, they, they use the real names and, and all of it, so they, they went pretty good on this. Um, they take a few creative liberties, but a lot of the things in here that you wouldn't think actually happened, like somebody being gagged and contained at the stand or two of the, the defendants wearing the judge's gown uh, to the courtroom to mock him, they actually did happen. So just crazy how the this group of people who 
believed to have crossed into state lines to incite violence, which was the reason they were on trial in the first place. Um, you know, their story of who did it? Was it the police? Was it you? Was it me? Just a very gripping, touching story. I loved everything about it. And quite frankly, I didn't know anything about it going in. I was not alive in 1968. I do not remember it. I do not know anything about it. So I went in pretty clean. And what I love about these types of movies is my research after the fact, going and looking up the real history and reading about it and watching YouTube videos and then seeing what the film did right and the creative liberties it took. Cannot recommend it enough. The Trial of the Chicago 7 and The Old Guard, both available on Netflix as our films of the year. Cool. You know, hey, I, we, we made the best of kind of what we had, you know, both different, you know, which I like. I'm glad we didn't have the same one. We didn't have any of the same ones. And I, I you know, I, I like, I had, I, like you down. I had you down for uh, the old guard was my number three for you. Extraction was my number two for you. And I did not have a number one. So I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, fucking Mortal Kombat legends or whatever. I just didn't, uh, I, didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what your number one. Would be. You might I have a better, you might, you might be better off in TV section. I think you'll do what? better. I, I have your TV, I think, down pat. I might even have it in order. But let's talk about it. This is the one I'm, I am so excited about because there were so many. I have 26 on my list that I watched this year. Um, You're a madman. I watch so much TV at 3 in the morning when I just can't sleep. I've become a night owl. Okay, so, you know, like I, I have a list of probably one, two, three. I didn't see Queen's Gambit, so I know people were saying that was great. So if you saw that, I expect that to be on your list. That was one I didn't see, so people get upset. You know, yeah. That's why Queen's Gambit's off. Before we get started, we don't do honorable mentions and stuff like that because of like it's kind of cheap because then you're just making it a top four when we really want to make it a top three and focused. But I have to give the special kudos to this one show only because it's not done yet. So it Aww. couldn't it could not qualify. I, I hope you're I hope you're gonna say something else and I'm pissed. No, it's it's called Your Honor. I've talked about it on the show before. Yeah, it was either my yeah. pick of the week or I gave impressions. I can't remember the Brian Cranston show. Yeah, it's only through four episodes. Um, and it's not going to be done till February. So I cannot by all good yeah. grace, cannot put it on the list, but just know that it would have trended. It's trending now through the first four episodes. Can I say what I was hoping what you're going to say? What? I hope you were going to say star girl. <laughs> oh no. Star girl is my number seven. My number yeah, seven. It, it was good though. It, it was definitely yeah. worth to be noted. And that's without me finishing letter Kenny. So it might, it might be number yeah. eight by the time it's all said and done. But yeah, I know. Yeah. Stargo is my number seven this year, but that's how far I have him ranked. And, I have and, and I, I feel bad that I forgot about the movie thing. I, I really don't. I remember you asking the question, but I, I thought I heard it differently. So that, that was my bad. But if it makes you feel better, I left off the last dance, the Michael Jordan doc, because that was one of the best things I've ever seen. So if well, we, we don't if, do documentaries. I know if, if we did, that if was number did. one. But if if we did. Day. We could do our own subsection of top three docs because then you got class action park. You got all the corona. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't do the murder crap, so I, I don't know none of it. But I, I'm just saying, like as TV, it, it, it could be my number one. But I, I just left it out because it was a doc. But because I thought that was phenomenal. But, you started off movies. Let me start off TV, uh, and then and then you, you go it. into it from TV. My number three, and I was wrestling back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between a new show, which I'll talk about. Uh, on my personal Facebook page, so if we're friends, just check out there. But I, I went with the new season of an old show because upon watching, because the, the the new season is coming out fairly soon, um, upon kind of going back and 
remembering the reviews and watching some YouTube stuff to prepare me for the new season, I thought to myself, it's got one of the best villains I've ever, ever watched. And I just think it's a perfect show, almost as good as its source material in Breaking Bad. And that's Better Call Saul you season bet. five. It's my number two. <laughs> it's wonderful. And I forgot just how good it was because it, it came out earlier in the year and recency bias being what it is. But Lalo is so damn convincing as a villain. Tony Dalton, baby. And I just want to know what happens to Nacho so and Kim so bad. What a freaking season here, man. I cannot wait for season six. Hey, man, that ending is where he's crawling through that damn tunnel. He's getting shot at, kills the people, that kills everyone in the house. That's oh, wonderful. Uh, I love Bob Odenkirk, that whole cast. What was it going to be their sixth season? Yeah, this will be the sixth and final sixth, season. Sixth and final. Absolutely. You know, uh, Gillian is absolutely uh, – he's, he's brilliant to have two, two shows, a movie. I cannot wait. So that, that's my number two. Vince Gillian brought it with the last season of Breaking Bad, arguably maybe even the best season. It's just so good. Uh, he El Camino is good. Yeah. I won't call it great. But this has a chance to go out on such an, an incredible bang, too. I yeah. would not be shocked if season six, the final season, is on both of our lists in 2021. No, I, I, I agree. I, I have complete faith in him. I enjoyed the movie. I, get, I think I gave the movie a solid eight. And I don't know, the Better Call Saul, if you watch Break It Bad, this is a must watch. Yeah, before you do your number three, my last thing on Better Call Saul is I've called Breaking Bad an 11 out of 10 show. I only say that because I think Better Call Saul is a 10 out of 10 show, but it's just not good, as good as Breaking Bad, so I make Breaking Bad the 11 yeah. out of 10. It's a wonderful show. No, you, you literally. You're almost not wrong. My number three, it's – again, it, it, it was tough. There were, there were some good TV shows this year, but I went with the boys. They after the first season they delivered something pretty crazy. They kind of raised the bar. Eric Kripke kind of he wrote the first episode for season two, and you know hey the whole cast Tony Starr is amazing as Homelander, and just the stories the stuff they get into <laughs> it was an absolute madness. I did not put it on my list. I thought season one was just almost a perfect season of television. Season two is damn good. Uh, what do I have it ranked at? I have it ranked as my number five, so I can't I can't complain. It's you, you know not far off from your number three spot. It just didn't quite crack my top three. Um, I thought there was a couple plot lines that just fell a little short, and I wanted a little bit more of the deep than we got. I think maybe season three, oh, can of help, course, can help redeem that. He just kind of got lost in the season. Um, so looking forward to that, and obviously that crazy final scene and where that's going to go. I mean, listen, heads are going to roll or explode. Who knows? My number two is a brand new show just came out this year. I hope they're doing more seasons. It didn't really leave off on a cliffhanger, but I just don't know how far it could go. I guess I could see them finally starting to win, but it was Ted Lasso, uh, mm. Apple TV. Who in the hell has Apple TV? Well, I did because I wanted my free trial just to watch Ted Lasso. So I signed up for a seven-day free trial of Apple Plus, and I watched it in two nights. Ten episodes, only a half hour each. It was an easy watch. And back in 2019, when we did our wish lists, I remember distinctly wishing for a feel-good sports drama in the vein of Remember the Titans, but with a little twist. And that's what this is. Ted Lasso is as good as advertised. And when I saw that IGN made it its TV show of the year, 
I thought, holy shit, I'm not the only person on earth who's watched this show. It is so unbelievably good that it was so hard, so hard to keep off of my number one spot, but I didn't. My number one show is absolutely deserving. Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis is a a college football coach at Wichita State, the Shackers, the team that beat my LaSalle Explorers in the Sweet 16 in 2013. He wins, I think, a national championship there, and a an English Premier League soccer team, a football club, hires him to be the head coach over in England, Richmond AFC, where he's never played soccer. He has no idea what, <laughs> what's going on, so he goes all the way across the world to coach a soccer team and all the wacky antics that come with it. It was the funniest show I've seen this year. The funniest show I've seen this year. That includes shows like Dave and all that. It was funnier than all of it. I laughed out loud. I laughed quietly. It's the little things. Imagine a fucking Southerner, a guy from like tech, well, Wichita, really, Kansas. Imagine a guy from Kansas moving to England and the culture shock that he would go through. He, That's it it, it kind of reminds me of the other show. Uh, what's the other one? The, the baseball one uh, with our boy Danny. Damn. Oh, he's coming down. Yeah, that's that. To me, that's kind of what that show was. I was like, I, I could see it's funny. I just got to be in the mood to watch it. But it looked funny. Oh, it, it, this is it's phenomenal, dude. It's not even just funny. It's got a great plot line. Great, great, great character development. Twists and turns. Did you watch Buffy growing up at all? No. The the uh, I can't remember his name, but the mentor to Buffy's like the librarian guy. He's the villain of this show. It's fucking awesome. And if you had, if you needed a laugh. In this crazy year, if you needed a great sports drama comedy, it's it's 10 times more of a comedy than it is a drama. Um, but if you needed just something new, something refreshing and something on a streaming service, you probably don't have sign up for a preview of Apple TV plus or Apple plus TV. I don't even know what the hell it's called. And just check out Ted Lasso. It is so unbelievably worth it. I promise you will not regret it. Sam, what's your number one? It, it had to be the Mandalorian. Yeah. Figured that was coming. That would uh, that fell in number six for me. Yeah, it, it just kind of this was to become the best thing. I I was never really a big Star Wars fan. I wouldn't even call myself a casual fan as a kid. Like I I really didn't like the movies when I was a kid growing up. So for me to watch the Mandalorian to really kind of I guess see what he was kind of reaching for from the original. Obviously for them the special effects are great, but for what we can do now, the Mandalorian can really show what what Star Wars really can do and. John Favreau and Dave Filoni absolutely outdone themselves. Eight episodes, season two. I, I really liked all eight. I think there might have been one episode where it was like, eh, like, okay. But other than that, I absolutely loved it. It brought in way more storyline character for Sokotano. Obviously, we know we're getting a million more spinoff series, so we're going to get that. It's already signed for season three. They're going to be shooting soon. If you have Disney Plus and lived on the rock, see Mandalorian. I couldn't put it on my list for only really liking half the season. These other shows, I, I felt punched harder uh, for yeah. the full experience while Mando brought it. I mean, brought it for those last four episodes. Besides having Timothy Oliphant in the first one, the first four did absolutely nothing for me to like. Shame. To make it my on my list. But that, that second half was just unbelievable. So definitely can't doubt you there at all. My God, and and just the future that that show has, and the universe that it's building through all the spinoffs. Mandalorian's going to be around for a while, and I can't wait to to be in that and and love it. But you had mentioned it before. My number one is the Queen's Gambit, and yeah. it wasn't even close. Um, Once you were quiet, I was like, "Oh, there's Greg's number one." Easy it, to That's why oh my God, seven episodes, six and a half hours, ah, of just pure 
joy. And by, I guess it's funny. Anya Taylor joy is the main character who plays Beth Harmon. Um, you could know nothing about chess, nothing. I honestly didn't I like even chess. know the show. What's up? I like chess. I, I actually can't wait to watch it. I, I didn't even know the show was about chess. I thought it was about a British queen. Um, and I had no idea. I don't know a thing about chess. I didn't know the queen's gambit was a way to start a game or open a game. And, and so I just went into this having no clue until I went and, and watched the preview. And I said, this is not what I thought it was. This is actually a girl from America. Uh, holy shit. Um, and oh the, oh, the queen, like the chess piece, got it. And we gave it a shot because I had heard good things. I had no idea it was going to be this good. You don't have to know a thing about chess. You don't have to understand the moves, nothing. It is so gripping and intense while she's playing her matches. It's awesome. A lot of people's complaints are it's a little too over the top with the addiction. And it is it can be slower when she's not playing chess. And I completely disagree with both of those things. There's a show this year that came out called The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. And they Kaylee Cuoco is the main character. She's an alcoholic. And they do not let you forget it. Every fucking scene she has a drink. And it is so annoying. And they just rub it in your face. And this is a little bit different. She, Her addiction, Beth Harmon's addiction in this show, is used to further enhance her chess playing ability. And that is why I don't feel like it was over the top. And I wanted to learn about chess. So when she's talking with her friends, I actually enjoyed those pieces because I was learning. And I will say the funniest, (laughs) weirdest thing about this show was Thomas Brody Sangster. He plays this character named Benny Watts. He was the kid in love. Actually, he was in game of Thrones. Um, He died at the hands of the white walkers. Um, It was hilarious because this kid still looks like he's 14 even though he was born in 1990, so he's 30. And they gave him a mustache, and they were like, go be an adult. And you're like, this is a 14-year-old kid with a mustache. Like, it was really distracting. But other than that, just a wonderful cast, wonderfully acted, funny, gripping, dramatic. It's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix. You can go check it out right now. If You probably already have. So many people have. It was wonderful. I loved it all the way through. Check it out. My show of the year, The Queen's uh, Bandit. The Queen's Gambit, <laughs> Sam's being the Mandalorian. Check that out on Disney+. Plus. So far, we have yet to have a similarity as our number one, and we've only had one similarity across two lists. Now let's get into game, Sam, where I think we're going to have some similarities. Let's talk about them. What was your number three game of the year? It was Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> God, and I think that's fair. I honestly think that's a fair. I think it's a solid number three. I think Naughty Dog did great. We all know that the game had it had a lot of backlash, had a lot of people butt hurt, but they had to get over it. It it was a fantastic game. It's it's my number three. It was a fantastic game. I I played it for all what twenty, thirty some hours, whatever I played. Yeah, mine was 31, I think. I clocked in at. I might have been 28. I will say, people, just think about this, too, to to further Sam's point. This is Sam didn't really – you didn't really get into a ton of games until really this year, and you've played more games this year than you ever have. It's not like you only had three or four to pick from. This this had to cut out a lot of great games for it to make your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're going to be, you know, you might be expecting a couple games. I, I don't know. You might even know my list already. But, you mm-hmm. know, there's there some games that were 
No, I actually I nailed your I nailed your TV list in order. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. I had Saw Three Boys and then Mando, but I had the three shows nailed down. I think I have the three games nailed down. I don't think I'm going to get the order right because I had your I had Last of Us at number two for you. Yeah, I, I know you did. I was I I, I, knew, I was like Craig probably has it at two. He probably knows my one, and then the other. I I, I already figured that again. Th- this is well, I know it got rated a 10. I I don't how can you rate it, rate a 10 when you it had a bunch of glitches. I, I, I it's not perfect to me. It it's tough to give it a 10 gem mint. I I don't agree with the 10. I it, it's a solid 8 to 9 game. Right. I, yeah, I, I mean 10s don't mean rate. perfection. There is no perfect game. I mean it's a masterpiece. I I and mean we'll, they, we'll talk. Yeah, and you know they they improve hand-to-hand combat. They if this was obviously a, a much improvement from the first one. It was a different storyline than people would have liked. Uh, you know, people were butthurt because she was Jack. People didn't like that. People didn't like the ending. And, you know, if, if to me, the ending did feel kind of like Lord of Rings-ish, where it, was like, it could have ended, it kept going, it ended, and kind of kept going. Okay, whatever. You just, but you want to get to the end. You wanted to see the story through. It was a beautiful story. It had a lot of heart, especially from the first one. You know, like coming from me, I don't I don't have kids. I'm just a, a, a dog dad. And, you know, th- this one kind of sucks you in and, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I doubt we'll see a third one, but I enjoyed this franchise. I enjoyed the second one. It kind of definitely got people. It helped people through the, the COVID. And I know it helped, you know, me and a lot of people, obviously, because we played all these hours through it. And I, I think it deserves it. I know it won game of the year, but for me, it's, it's solved number three. Uh, I could have done without the California section at the end. To your point, it ended like four different times. I was yeah. kind of waiting for it to end. And uh, I think it probably would have, been a lot even a lot higher on more people's lists if it did kind of end earlier um and i think that a lot of the backlash that that game got was because it leaked early and a lot of people saw the leak i think so many people hate it that never even played and i don't think that's necessarily fair but yeah i mean for it to be on your list that's great to hear my number three and it's a similar thing i would probably have a different number three this year but i just started playing it this week so i just don't have enough time oh my god to rank Immortals, I think Immortals Phoenix Rising would be on my list, but I just can't put it there. My number three. Okay. I, I thought you were going to jump there. I was like, but you were saying if you did have more time, you were saying it would have been on the list. I Yes. But it's like not like an honorable mention. It's just like, hey, I just oh, want to be fair. Okay, so you're telling me that this would have really been your number three, but this is the number three you're going to give us. Okay, I got you. It's trending towards it. I've only put about two hours in, so it's not really fair. But the game I've played most this year is my number three. The game I have the most hours in. Um, actually, no, that's a lie. I have 145 hours in, in Super Mega Baseball 3. So that's actually a lie. So my second most played game of the year, Skater XL. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. I loved it. It's an indie game. You've from singing his praises for you know, the last few months. It deserves it. It came out in July. I've put over 100 hours into it. Um, and that's with only eight maps. Now we just got three more two weeks ago, free DLC maps, Applewood Park, Quebec Skate, uh, Skate Plaza, and uh, River Fern. I can happily report that Applewood is just as good as I had hoped. The other two are okay. Quebec's actually kind of disappointing. It's a little small, but uh, listen, 250 different cosmetics for free on top of all the additional stuff they already had in the game. And that all came, again, for free on top of a $40 game. I spent $40 and got 100-plus hours of enjoyment that I haven't even scratched the potential yet because I have three new maps with more coming on the way that they're going to give us for free. So easy day for an independent studio to make a physics-based skateboarding sim. I never thought I wanted that. I wanted my skateboarding games to be 
uh, arcade style. Tony Hawk. That's what I wanted. I wanted fast paced combos, manuals, reverts. I didn't want to use the sticks to do a kickflip. I hated the skate games. And I think that's just because I didn't know how to play them when I was younger. I could go skate if I wanted to. It was a lot different experience. Now, if I fall once, I'm hurting for a week. So I don't really skate anymore. And so to have a game that made me feel like I could do all these tricks and you get that same sense, like it takes me 20 minutes to do a kickflip, crooked grind, hard, you know, shove it out down a hand round. I'm like, well, I could have done that in one try in Tony Hawk because it's just kind of intuitive. So I loved it. Incredible physics. Um, great game. My God, I wish the manuals were a little less easy. That's all I could say. It's hard to get into one, but you can just lock in and there's no balance meter. That's the only problem I have. There's no balance meter. But other than that, God damn, if you like skateboarding even a little bit at 40 bucks, there's no reason not to jump into it. Skater XL, you get a ton of content for your $40. Yeah, I knew that was going to be on their list, but then uh, it's good. Obviously, we know Tony Hawk's not making it, but it was good. Skater XL made it. Yeah. My number two, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I nailed it. Yeah, I thought Final Fantasy would have been number three. I mean, I mean again, the, these the top three is what what is our favorite? What did we get the most enjoyment out of playing? And by far, I got way more enjoyment out of Final Fantasy than I did of Last of Us Two. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, people might have you know said you know it wasn't the full story; it was only 35 percent of the nineteen ninety seven the original, which I'm fine with. Do you want to make a trilogy of games? Great. Hopefully they don't take eight years for this one. They just maybe take two or three. But I absolutely loved when the, the updated battle system. I, I thought that was absolutely great. That's why I dumped so many hours into the game. I mean, obviously people loved it. It sold over 3.5 million copies in its first three days alone. I mean, you know, Square Enix, I thought, you know, they had some pressure on their back for this. You know, they promised fans got delayed, kept going. And, you know, to me, just to see Cloud and Sephiroth and, you know, Tifa again, that was just great, and, I, and I, the game was just beautiful. And I, I know you weren't really the huge on the Final Fantasy ones back in the day. Seven was really the only one that I played with that I beat back in the day. That you know I beat the new one, and it was one that I I definitely could see myself going back to play. Can't wait for the sequel, and I, I think if you're a fan of the only one, you, you got to play this one. I have been I've had the craziest itch over the last like two or three weeks to dive into that game. Just the craziest itch. And it, I want it, it, it's so a lot. It, it's it, it's a lot of gameplay. You got to dedicate a lot of time. It, it's like Ghost of Tsushima. I I think that's why. Obviously, you know the spoiler alert, but that's why I really like both games. They were similar, and I had kind of I would just enjoy the story, just enjoy the gameplay, the momentum, and you know I didn't want to put the put a, put the paddle down. Yeah, I think the only thing is if I like it, I'm in for a forty hour experience, and I just did that plus yeah. with with ghost and of course even 30 with last of us i just don't know because i just started immortals and that's just, a just a 150 plus hours in baseball yeah that's right well listen baseball is like kind of mindless like you can just yeah. play it at yeah. night when i'm in yeah. bed that was that's really where i got all my enjoyment was playing that shit in bed waiting for the pokemon dlcs to drop but like <laughs> I believe it. It, it's it's hard because i just started immortals and that's going to be a 40 to 60 hour game if i really wanted to make it you know it's it's full experience and so to play two of those at the same time I will inevitably not finish one. So for me to pay money to play Final Fantasy right now just isn't in my cards, especially if I don't know if I'm going to like it. If only I had somebody I knew who owned it that could let me borrow it one of these days. But I think I need like a palate cleanser. So I downloaded Bug Snacks. So I'm going to check that out. Yeah, you've been been waiting to itch in the play that one. So that's good. I'm going to check that out. 
and then I'll dive into, I downloaded, I have Mortal Kombat and I have Cyberpunk. So I have stuff to like keep me going for a long time. Um, so Final Fantasy is on, like you, man, you have a lot of shows on like the back burner that you'll just kind of eventually get to. That's Dude, where Final I, Fantasy is for me. Like I kind of took a step back with gaming. Like I played a little bit of Devil May Cry, but I, I played so many hours of gaming. I kind of took a step back and, and probably in the last week, I probably banged out maybe like 10. I've been on a movie kick. So yeah. I just kind of even like I've even watched a new stuff. I was catching up on older stuff, rewatching this or watching that. And, you know, I'm slowly getting back into hopefully some shows because we're going to have some new ones coming out this year. Yeah. My number two is Cyberpunk 2077. Jesus. I'm just kidding. It's Ghost of Tsushima. I loved yeah. Ghost of Tsushima. I wow. was, I was my number, so, my number one. Yeah. I was so overwhelmed when I put this game all in because. Um, I knew what it was, but I didn't know what I was getting myself into at the same time. And, and it said, follow this woman to go to her brother. And then I hit start to look at the map and like three things popped up and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I don't have to follow her brother right now. I'm, I'm just going to go explore for a little bit. And then you go five feet and there's a whole gang of Mongols that I want to do a standoff with. And Oh, what's that check? What's that question mark over there? Let me go check out that unexplored destination. Oh, there's another one across the map. Let me go ride across there. Cause you know me, I'm not a fast traveler. So like, let me go drive or ride my horse across there, which was Yuna or no Sora. I was Sora. And so, uh, I was doing that and this and that. And then, Oh, up on the hill is Sensei Ishikawa's dojo. Let me go up there. I have no idea why I'm at this hot spring, but just let me go to this hot spring real quick. And then it, Oh my God, I have four stances. What the fuck? Every single button has like three uses and you're overwhelmed, but you just kind of get it. And you, it you, just you, you literally adapt and you become the ghost. It's crazy how how if you if I were to tell you the control scheme, I'm like, yeah, you got to do left trigger and right to pick this and right to fire it. And you're like, what the fuck? But when you have the controller in your hand, you just kind of remember, oh, so this stance is up and this stance is left and this stance is. I, I don't even remember. tell you what to do, but if you put the controller in my hands, I can. Exactly. Do it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, seriously, it's the best way to explain it. Jin Sakai is a great character. Uh, Lord Shimura, I thought that motherfucker was a dick. No, you so, said it from uh, the beginning. I was like, I, I, I feel you. I, he was a dick. So when you get the choice at the end, I, I'm happy no, no, I chose no. my pick. I, you, you noticed I, I didn't even ask you. I was like, I know what Greg picked. <laughs> uh-huh. You don't got to ask me. When you get the choice between meh and meh, I went meh, heavy. Uh, you know, no spoilers. Off with so, head. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, no. But like. It was great story, oh, great yeah, character, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great world. Um, beautiful, you know, the, beautiful world. Do you know how many warthogs I killed? The island of Tsushima might be the my favorite open world, maybe it, ever, and that it, includes Breath of the Wild. It's absolutely like I, I know they say Last of Us Two is good, but once I, I had the views I had, and, and, and this game with all the techniques, you know. It, it, it was it was it was fantastic. I mean, I killed so many people, you know, but the, the storyline and, you know, it kind of pays tradition to kind of what they do with samurai and respect and devotion and what he does to become the and the ghost and his journey. And, you know, you, you get this armor, you, then you have this and you level up this, and you're leveling up everything, then you're getting your stuff colored. And then you're you're getting this leveled up, you're putting on different charms and you're finding different techniques. And it was the game always kind of it kept you going for something. You were chasing the next thing, the next mask. I don't know. I, I really think Sucker Punch delivered something big this year. And I, I'm, I was rooting for it for game of the year. But, you know, I'd have to just stick for my little 
my little number one game of the year. What was your go-to armor? I mean, by, by the end, I was using like the big Mongolian, the big golden armor. Wow. I even wow. loved the, the archer armor. I loved Yeah. I, I bought it, painted everything, was in white. Oh, dude, I was like the, the white ghost. Like I, I was really – like I went all out with it. The Ronin armor yeah, and, yeah. and the archer. The archer – I think that is the archer. I can't remember. But you're right. The archer armor for me was my favorite armor up until I got the Clan Sakai armor. Yeah. That's oh, what fantastic. I – that's what I used for the majority of my playthrough. And as a matter of fact, well, as soon as I got it, I never took it off. And did, uh, you, get the, did you get the secret one? The secret master? You have to climb a whole, the whole bunch of mountains. You get like the, the secret master armor. Yes. Yeah. I, really, I, have, I have unlocked all the, every uh, piece of armor, not every right. mask yet. And I don't think I've hit every pillar of honor yet and stuff, but um, I've yeah, hit that, every that, fucking that, that's, that, that's grinding when, to get all like, you know, it's, you're yeah. going to be grinding for a few hours. Yeah. I did liberate every camp. So I'm, yeah. what is See, it? I, I love that. Like to me, that was like my favorite. So like every time I had to do that, I loved it. Yeah. It was the, it was the, Oh, I got 20 minutes. Oh, let me just go find some camps and, and kill some people. It was oh, let me just just a, silent. Like you're taking out the archers. You're sneaking yeah. in camps. Oh my God. Like, so what I didn't care for about Ghost of Tsushima and really the maybe the biggest thing that kept it from being my number one. I, I say that actually, no, it was never going to be my number one. I know um, that, Greg. You don't have to tell me. The story just wasn't to me what the other game for my number one was. Yeah. And I just love that universe. But we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, I think our listeners know. With, with Ghost, I fucking hated And the same thing with the fucking 2018 Spider-Man, which oddly enough was my game of the year. I fucking hated hate forced stealth missions i fucking hate them and i don't like stealth in gaming at all unless i goddamn want to do it and that's what i think the last of us does well is you can stealth if you want or you can go in guns a blazing and i like to change that style up but i'm forced to do it and that's half the reason why i didn't care for some of the side missions and i was like well fuck i know if i'm going with this person it has to be follow these people in silence and like the transition from act two to three you get your shit stripped you fucking end up having to sneak through a camp to get to a tree. Was it hard? No, but I died three times because I was like, fuck it. I'm running. Let's see if they can stop me. And then all of a sudden they see me and it says, you've been seen. And I got to stop. And it's like, fuck all these missions where you got to sneak through the camps and not raise the alarms that bothered me because I don't like that type of play style. I like to run and gun when I feel like running and gunning. And that is a very small complaint, uh, but a complaint nonetheless. Other than that, I mean, like I said, it's the most beautiful open world I've ever been a part of. Riding your horse through a, a cherry blossom field or through those beautiful trees as the leaves continue to fall, there's it's just breathtaking. It's breathtaking. And then to take it from my PS4 into my PS5 and have it run at 60 frames, like locked, butter smooth, 60 frames per second, uh, you know, it, th- that changes the game for me. It made it yeah. even better. And my okay. God. and. You know, you got to experience the whole thing on a PS5, or you play the other games on a PS4. Imagine going back and playing Final Fantasy right now on your PS5. Like, oh my god, it, it would just make it even even better because G- Ghost was like a dream. It was a dream, and and I am so it was, it was night and day to everything else. And I think that that was another reason why it it, it jumps to number one. I just had the, uh, such a great enjoyment out of playing it. I didn't get the glitches that I had for Last of Us Part Two. I for for 2018, I had. God of War and I had Spider Man back and forth and back and forth. And, and, Spider- and Spider Man's not going to be on your list this year. No, Miles Morales did not make it. Not not necessarily close. But I had um, 
I had Spider-Man over God of War. And it was the toughest call. And in 2018, looking back on it, what a fucking year, man. But that number three was Smash Bros. And it came out in December. And that just because 2018 really didn't have a lot of other great stuff. This year, you have Skater XL, which I played over 100 hours. And then two of my favorite games of all time now. Like Ghost of Tsushima might be a top 10 to 12 game for me of all time. It was that good. Yeah. Um, not just of the year, which means how, how much high praise do I have for my number one here in a moment? But like, I can't say enough great things about it from a story perspective to a char- character uh, perspective. No, 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 just no. What else do you have to say about ghost? No, it, I, I think if you were wait, if you waited on like I did, it, it, it's like, you know, is it worth the hype? Is it worth everyone? It, it, it is. It, we it, both it, did. Uh, we both bought it at the same time. I mean, you were three days after me. Because we, we felt like we deserved it. You know, just what we saw, the gameplay we watched, it, it looked breathtaking. And it, it looked like this was going to be an enjoyable game. I, I like the boss fights. I, I grew up liking Samurai. I, I say Last Samurai is one of my favorite movies. This game, I, you know, it was definitely a Kurosawa. You know, it was definitely they got references from there. And if you have a PS4, if you have a PS5, this is a must own. And I will say this. Even if you have a base PS4, unlike Cyberpunk 2077, the game still runs really well. Like, I didn't run into any major issues or anything like that. It loads a little slow, and and obviously it's prettier on the PS5. But if you just have a PS4 and you haven't played it yet, this is still a wonderful game. And it was the last big PS4 exclusive. So for it to go out on the bang that it did just one month after The Last of Us Part II launched, what a perfect way to end the PS4 life cycle with those two games. The Last of Us Part II is my number one. It is my game of the year. Um, Anything else you have to add about Ghost before I go on to Last of Us? Take it away, my friend. You have Last of Us on your list as your number three. Um, I think even in if you're a listener of this show normally and not just to the end of the year awards, you'll have heard throughout the year when Sam and I talk about this game, you know, Sam talks about it as if it was a number three game. And I talk about it as if it was a number one game. I think there was no shock that it is both on our lists and it wasn't your number one. I had a pretty strong feeling Ghost was going to be your number one. Um, thought Last of Us was going to be your number two, but hell yeah on Final Fantasy. It's great to see that game getting a lot of recognition and kudos for me. There was a masterpiece. I don't think there is such a thing as a perfect game. And I don't think a 10 out of 10 needs to go to a perfect game. It doesn't exist. What I think it needs to go to is an engaging story and uh, wonderful gameplay innovations, both of which I think the last of us part two had look at the way you handle a rope. Like you could take a rope, a stupid, simple rope, but in this game, You could weave it in and out of windows and it stretches with you and it gets tighter and it stops. Just those weird things that Naughty Dog felt like they needed to put into this game to make it work better. And I think it does. Yes, Ellie fell through the map once for me for no particular reason. Yes, it is pretty fucking depressing. And you got to kind of be a masochist to enjoy the story. But I sure did. And that plot twist. Oh, the plot twist. I didn't see it coming. I knew I didn't read the spoilers. But I had a feeling the big death was going to happen. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't think that was a surprise to anyone. Like, I, that, no. I, and I, I wasn't spoiled by anything. But it was like a lot of this stuff. I don't know. You, you kind of like, uh oh, this is oh, yep, oh, yep, yep, that happened. Exactly. I think people were mad because it happened early, and they thought you were going to get more throughout the game. And there was a trailer that they, you know, Naughty Dog did put, you know, this person in the trailer when it actually turned out to be somebody else, and they played a little fake out on you. But that's okay to me. 
That is something they just wanted to keep it secret. They did it for The Last of Us 1, and nobody cared because it's a fucking masterpiece of a game. This one, it had woke culture, and it was leaked ahead of time, and there was a trans character in it. Get That's a part of our culture. That's fine. I, I get it. People are mad because they kind of – I don't have to go into like the woke shit, but like – they were mad because it was kind of the reason the character had existed or it was the main piece of the character storyline. But to me, that character was phenomenal and it it wasn't about that. It was about their struggle to find who they were inside of a cult. And I, I get it. I get all of it. I get the, the obsession and the pissed off, you know, uh, nature about Abby and, and her physique, even though there is a gym where she was, I'm fine with her getting yoked as fuck. I thought her guns and play style was actually more engaging than Abby's or Ellie's. Uh, I loved that. I loved her guns. So actually going back to Ellie was kind of weird because I was like, who am I going for at the end? Who, who do I want to win? I, I don't have that cool semi-automatic that yeah. I was using for the last eight hours. Like, and, and to fight the rat King down at the basement of the hospital was an awesome boss fight. And you get to yeah. do that as Abby. Yeah. I loved it, man. And the story to me was the best video game story uh, in a long time, maybe since the first game, because I, I've said it before on Twitter at the Nintendo, the last of us is arguably besides Bioshock, my favorite video game universe to be in. And I'm so looking forward to this HBO show where I get sucked into this world and what would happen and where would I be? Now I'd be like bill. Uh, I'd be, you know, the guy who's trying to set traps and da 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 da, or I'd just be dead on day one. Cause my fat ass ain't going to survive any outbreaks. I thought that, you know, coupled coincidences were a little bit weird here and there. I thought maybe Isaac should have had a little bit more of a part of the story. thought he was a little bit disposable. But it takes a, a pretty big game for me to go watch a five and a half hour essay on it and then to go watch another three hour uh, essay about the opposite perspective. One was loving it. One was hating it. And just to be able to soak eight hours of my life into just – hearing people out as to why they objectively or subjectively liked or didn't like it. it. I won't do that for many games. And this was the one that I felt I, when it was over as much as I wanted it to end, I was kind of sad that it did. And uh, I agree with you. I don't think we're really going to get a last of us three um, at least for a long time. And I'm pretty sad that I have played every single square inch of everything. The last of us universe has to offer without much hope on the horizon of a new one, at least with the same characters. And it's a sad thing that the only way I'm going to do it is to go back and replay it, which right now I have no itch to do because much like breath of the wild, which I've never replayed, although it's my number two favorite game of all time. It's because I want the memories of the first time I've ever played it to never go away. And when you have a game that soaks you in like that and that you never want to forget where you were when those credits rolled or when that big boss fight happened or when the big switcheroo happened, that means something to me. And, and while ghost was a phenomenal game in every aspect, this just outdid it for me from a story what perspective. A satisfying ending last of us two or ghost. Um, ghost was more predictable, but it was what I wanted to happen. And you also had a choice. I felt like if you took the choice and put that into the Abby Ellie ending of last of us two, and you got to choose what you did with Abby there, that would have been fucking perfect. And that would have given me a reason to replay it. So I'll take the ending slightly to the, to the uh, ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Hmm. See, I, I kind of was switched on. I, I kind of predicted the ending near 
the second time you thought you were dead and you kind of go back to what Florida or LA and you get that last last fight or whatever and I kind of was like oh oh that's how it's going to end that I I think that's that maybe is why last of us didn't get number one for me the ending I felt like it, it, it was good I just didn't I don't think it, it stuck the landing as they say yeah and that's why I think I liked it because like you when it ended the way it did you were probably like well fuck I just spent 30 hours praying that this girl gets her revenge no then- no not at all I was just like oh that's 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 where they went okay thought they See, were, I was hoping they were going to go somewhere else but they didn't but Okay. I I wanted them to go. That's what I'm. I, I'm trying to say. I wanted them to go down a path of, you know, Ellie gets her. I just full, didn't. I just didn't want to get what we got. I just felt like there was some other stuff could it. Yeah. Been changed, but that would hey, that was me. What they got was still good. Hey. Yeah. It, it was still a fantastic game, no matter what I say. Yeah, I, I wanted Ellie to get her full revenge, and when she didn't, I was like, well, you know, I get it. You're pissing me off on purpose, and and you know how does it feel to want? I guess, uh, I think it was a masterpiece, and you know, uh, if I can play Skater XL, which has a shit ton of glitches, I can get over that. If the if the bugs weren't game breaking, it kind of just reminds you you're playing a game. Uh, damn it all, I loved it. The Last of Us Part Two, my game of the year. Ghost of Tsushima, my runner up. Your game of the year can literally not go wrong. I love how. Uh, for the second, no, for the first time ever in the Wii Pod Awards history, I have no Nintendo games available. You can't even get any of my games on a Nintendo platform. <laughs> uh, record. That, that's that's the first, and I don't, I believe it will never happen again. Um, yeah. So yeah, there it is. Let's get into our albums. I've talked a lot, so I'm going to kick it to you for our, for your number three, for our top three albums of the year. A lot yeah, of good I, shit. I, I think, you know, one one on my list. I think that's probably all you know. My number three, I can't believe he's on my list. Cannot believe it. Um, coming out of nowhere, you know, it's it's Machine Gun Kelly. Tickets to Whoa, my... Whoa, cool. Tickets to my downfall. Coming out of nowhere, you know, obviously Machine Gun Kelly. I, I honestly... I first got to see him when him and Eminem got at it. He did Rap Devil, then Eminem did his song. And I thought both, both songs were great. I was like, man, they both were awesome. And I kind of listened to him more. His raps were pretty good. And then he decides to do like a little a little rock album. And I was like, oh, shit. And, you know, here and I was, it was Jeff Crummer, early November drummer. He posted like, man, this album was blew my mind way better than I thought. I was like, you know what? Let me check it out. And 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 he was right. I mean, it's really good. Bloody Valentine. It made it on to Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake. He made it on there. And I was like, okay, maybe Machine Gun Kelly. He needs people, you know, said all this stuff about him. He's a good actor. I know he played, um, I think he was an ACDC documentary. Um, he was in, uh, I think it was King of Staten Island. I'm pretty sure he was yeah. in it. Oh, see, so he's, he's acting too. And you know, saying the album's great. He's always with, uh, was it Travis Parker or Parker. from 182 Parker. Parker. And you know, he, he's rocking out. Yeah. He might've did a cover that I might not have liked. That's fine. But this album, I, I, I thought it rocked. I think he's actually in Big Time Adolescence, the other movie with Pete Davidson. I can't remember, but he's in a movie with Pete Davidson. No, I, I believe it yeah. because I know that they're friends in real life. Yeah. Uh, my number three for album of the year, 10 songs, 29 and a half minutes, came out November 20th of 2020. Hello, It's You by Bearings. My um, number one. I, I had figured that. Of course. Um, You're it, the music guy. I, I'm more podcast guy. 
But my bearings, dude, they hit it out of the park with their sophomore album. Continue. Yeah, they 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 sure did. And you know, it. I was. I don't want to say like expecting more. It wasn't. It you know obviously it wasn't my number one. Yeah, there are two albums that clearly were better, and and I was back and forth between this one and the front bottoms, and and I kept going back and and saying to myself, like, okay. What does it have to come down to? Like, what do I have to make my decision? So last week, right before we went on the show, I had to go to the food store. So we went to the food store and I said, I'm going to play both albums in their entirety from the drive to the, to the walk into the store to the drive back. And I'm just going to make my decision on what I fucking like better head to head. That was it. And at the end, bearings came out on top. I, uh, that's the easy question. I think, well, no, you're, you're absolutely wrong, but that's okay. I, I think, what the front bottoms do right. well, bearings. I'm right. They do so well. I think the front bottoms, what they do well, they do so well. But what I found myself is, I love, love, loved. As a matter of fact, there are there are tracks on the front bottoms new record. I think it's called In Sickness and In Flames that I I loved more than even the most loved track on Bearings. But what there was that Bearings had to offer was quantity. It has more great songs. The songs I didn't really care for on the Front Bottoms record, I'm skipping pretty hard. Hello, It's You, I don't have to skip a track. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. Maybe What's It, Dreams, I think, was the one. I'm just like, meh. Yeah, I know oh, that's not your cup of tea. I'll skip that one for now. But like Love from it. Love Me Like You Did, So Damn Wrong was probably one of my favorite songs of yeah. the year when I had heard it. Better Yesterday. Mm. Yes, Better Yesterday's great opener. Sway is a great first single that they dropped. Transient Color is an amazing ender. Just front to back, it is a great, great record. So I had to give it the nod over the front bottoms this year. Hello, It's You by Bearings. My number two, it went to Mac Miller. Circles. It was released January 17th. It was actually released after his death. This was actually supposed to be the, the, the second of a trilogy of albums after Swimming. And, you know, again, you know, Mac Miller's deep, his style. If you like Mac Miller, huge shout out to our boy, Anthony Pino. He got me into him way back in the day, kind of, I think, when he just released Kids. I think that was about that time. Um, it was funny. Uh, Facebook Memories, two days ago, uh, nine years ago, Facebook Memories, uh, me and Alex, our boy Alex, went to Mac Miller concert at the Starland Ballroom after I think he just released, um, was it uh, Best Day Ever, that album? I love Best Day Trump, Ever. Trump hat and, you know, you can wear my hat and all that kind of stuff. And he did that. That album was crazy. That 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 concert was fantastic. Um, it's it definitely gone too soon. It's a shame. Um, he was super talented. I loved his flow, loved his style. Um, I, I, I truly think he was definitely, he, he in my opinion, he, he's one of my favorite rappers ever do it. Just a shame he went so young. But if you get a chance, check out Mac Miller Circles. It It is one of the best post i i think it's called post mortis i can't remember post mortis or something mostly mostly i can't remember but it's after death basically it's one yeah. of the best of those records i'd ever heard to have yeah. that shit like in the can and not released before it was a great record probably maybe my favorite rap record of the year Blue world good news two great songs mm. yeah really good record so glad you have some you have a couple bangers on there i haven't Giving Machine Gun Kelly a fair enough shake. And the I, only one I knew you would know would be Bearings. The other I, were surprised. On, on Twitter, I had seen somebody like, like when the record dropped, somebody said, "Oh my God, Machine Gun Kelly does pop punk better than pop punk does pop punk." And I was like, "Shit." Yeah. Well, I guess I got to give it a shot. I, I felt like he had it deserved just just for this album alone. I was like, he's got to be on the list. Yeah, my number two was my number one since March sixth, 
when this record hit on March 6, 2020, the first time I heard it, I said, this is one of my favorite new bands. This is without a doubt going to be my number one. Nothing is going to dethrone it, but something did. 11 songs, 31 minutes and 17 seconds. Hot Mulligan, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I have raved about Hot Mulligan on this podcast multiple times throughout the year. I've tried twice to get them on the show. I even used an American Vandal angle on them, which the PR person said she loved, but it quite frankly just didn't get to work out. And they were voted number one hot new band. They like to play with that a lot. It is very funny. Um, but this record is so much different than their previous efforts. And I, I had liked them before, but loved them when this record came out to the point where I have my next tattoo already lined up and it's a hot mulligan song title. So looking forward to that. But my favorite song of the year is on this record. Equip sunglasses is one of the best songs you will hear in the rock genre, whether it be emo, pop, punk, rock and roll, whatever. To me, it's a perfect song beginning to end. You owe it to yourself to listen to Equip Sunglasses by Hot Mulligan, but it has more than that. It's banger after banger. OG Blue Sky, Feel Like Crab, Green Squirrel in the Pretty Bad Shade. Love that one. My other favorite song on the record, we're going to make it to Kilby. I did not know if this was going to be my favorite track of the year. It's so good. I actually put it out there on Twitter. What's your favorite song on the record? And multiple people that I don't follow, then that don't follow me, were hitting me up about it. and, And someone said, oh, Backyard's a secret banger. And I was like, it's good. And then I listened to it again, and they're absolutely right. It's a backyard banger. So 11 songs. I would say nine of them are really, really, really good. Uh, two of them don't really hit me super duper hard, but that's okay. Not every record needs to be perfect just to make your top 10. This was absolutely my album of the year until about two months ago, uh, until another record came and swept me off my feet, as they say. Uh, but again, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of music. Hot mulligan. You'll be fine. Sam, time for you to gush a little bit more about bearings. <laughs> he said, "He said I I need to take a sip of water. I I talk too much over here. But hey, you, you did you sung their praises for a few months, like you said since March. I I have an idea who kind of took it off your feet, but we'll we'll see what happens. I could be wrong. Uh, bearings, we got to see it was our last concert. We got to see live in 2020. We got to interview them. Check it out. Our bonus episodes. Good time meeting the guys. Awesome guys from Canada. They rocked it, and hopefully we'll be rocking soon in 2021." I, I want you. What? What? Do you, what was the number one? What is my number one? What's the <laughs> thing that set me off my feet? I, I did. Uh, you said you have. You did, said you had an idea. It's not. Um. Uh, God damn it! I'm horrible with names. <sighs> nah, go go. I ain't gonna get it. Go. It came out October sixteenth, two thousand twenty. Eleven songs, exactly thirty six minutes, and thirty six of the best minutes you could ever spend. They didn't break up, did they? No, no, no. Okay, great, great. The band is Seaway. the The album is Big Vibe. Hmm. I Big Vibe is is arguably one of the best songs I've ever heard, and right up there with Equip Sunglasses is the best song of the year. And it is, as a matter of fact, it's right now on my Spotify. What is paused halfway through it's big vibe by Seaway. Um, I originally thought that this was just going to be a one-off and that the rest of the album, there's no way it was going to be able to hold a candle. And then wild things accompanied it. And then uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was still blue was their third single. And that was even great. I was like, Whoa, how are these three songs off a band that I don't really love? Seaway was not a band that was really on. I followed them on Spotify. I listened to them before, but like they never really reached out to me. Like they never spoke to me. 
they were just a good band that I followed. I never really seek them out. But then on my Spotify list, new releases for you, big vibe. And I'm just going to check it out because I'm driving and I got time. I put it on and I was fucking blown away. I said, if this song was released in 2002, it would have been bigger than flavor of the week. It would have been our flavor of the week back then. It's that good and has that type of part in my, my language, but has that vibe. It is unbelievable. And then the, the, the tracks that were not released beforehand, brain in a jar is a fucking banger. And again, another tattoo, I'm going to get a brain in a jar with the words, uh, I don't need a medic. And that's what I'm going to have. It's going to be awesome. Uh, it's such a catchy song. Wild Thing still holds up. Still Blue still holds up. Mrs. David is a quiet banger. They had put out there something like, when's the? I think they tweeted out, like, when's the last time you listened to the Big Vibe album? And I had said, I went grocery shopping and listened to it twice today. They replied and said, what did you buy? And I said, I bought peaches and sweet sugar. Uh, that made me a sick puppy or something like that. And they're all names of the songs on the record. And uh, they wrote back a plus tweet. And I was like, <laughs> I'm, I, can you give me a blue check mark now? Or do I just, do I apply for one or what's that like? Because I'm pretty much fucking famous. And so uh, I, I felt great about that, but that did not influence this. This is a banger of a pop punk record. You owe it to yourself. Seaway, big vibe. We've gone through our favorite films our favorite TV shows, our favorite games, and our favorite albums. But let's talk about the shit that pissed us off, our top three worst of the year. This is a combination of everything, not doing separate lists for each. We'd be here for way too long. Sam, what was your third worst of 2020? My number three, I didn't even finish. I stopped watching. It was either episode four or five. I, I forget. But it was Space Force. Yeah, that sucked. It 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 it, it sucked. It, it it's a shame. I I like Steve Carell. I like John Malkovich. Ben Schwartz. He's funny. I even like Lisa Kudrow. I, I like the cast. The cast is fine. Just the show, the story. I, I never liked it from originally from the name. I gave it a chance just to see what it. You know, just give it a shot. I, I like Steve Carell. I mean, it, it it somehow got renewed for a second season. I I can't believe it. But views I, will do that to you. I, I people watched it. I, I, I gave up. I, I don't know if you finished it. Again, it's a shame. I, I like John Malkovich. I like the characters, but this show absolutely stunk. I had six qualifiers for this category, and it was one of them. It's not on my list, but it damn it was damn close. Um, it was just oh, it was horrible. It's horrible. Uh, by the way, something that is not on my list, and I just want to get this out there now. I didn't like it, but the New Mutants wasn't bad. Okay, okay. I I I didn't see. Again, remember, I didn't see Tenet, Soul, New Mutants. Again, I made a quotation for worst. The Doolittle with Robert Downey. We never. I know we didn't. Maybe you've seen it. I didn't see it. That uh, you, nope. And and that's the thing. If it if we didn't see it or play it or listen to it, we're not going to put it on our list. It's yeah, that simple. Our Artemis fail. It got absolutely crapped on. I wanted to see it. I didn't see it yet. And one that possibly could be on your list. I'm not sure if you played it. I'm waiting to see if we will hear if Marvel Avengers. It's not on mine because I didn't play it. But Marvel Avengers and Cyberpunk are not on my list because I did not play either of them, as a matter of fact. Same, same. So um, I wonder why they're not there. They're just, but, yeah. but the New Mutants could have been. It qualified. I watched it. I watched it in all of its glory. Um, uh, the uh, It wasn't terrible, right? Like Anya Taylor-Joy, Maisie Williams, Charlie Heaton, great cast. The biggest problem I actually had with it was Charlie Heaton plays this character, Sam Guthrie, and he has a southern accent. And Charlie Heaton's Southern accent is the literal worst performance of the year. 
So if it were to qualify for this list, it would have been solely on his performance as Sam Guthrie. It was literal dog shit. And I, and, and that's the best compliment I can give it. Um, it was, it was real bad. Stranger things, <laughs> but it, you keep stick to stranger things, but it wasn't the worst movie I had thought. It's pretty boring. I'll never watch it again. I'm kind of glad I did, but it did not make this list. My number three, however, something I'm very, very sad to report that is on my list. Um, Psych two, the movie Lassie yeah. come home. Yeah. I, Sam, you know how much I love Psych. You you freaking love that show, and and I the reviews. I don't I don't think I've been great on it. No, and the first movie was a little disappointing, and and they were the, uh, and it was their way of making it up to you, and they still shat in your face. They shat all over my face, and then rubbed it in, and then said, "You'll like it. You will. You'll like it." And it was just it was not funny. It was uninspiring. The plot was bonkers. It didn't follow a plot really. Uh, it was predictable when I could follow the plot. And it just felt like the thing they kind of had to do to let Psych go. And I have, I have this bad feeling that if we ever see Psych again, I don't want to be a part of it. I want to remember Psych for the phenomenal, what is it, six, seven, or eight seasons? I can't remember that we had on USA. A great show. I'm going to pretend the movies never happened. It was not only one of the worst movies I saw this year. It made this list strictly because of how disappointing. It was that I had to go through this again and have something I was looking so forward to. I like tweeted about it and put it on our Facebook and our Instagram and you're not even a psych guy. And that's how psyched I was pardon the pun on this movie. And it disappointed me in every single way. Uh, that's a shame, buddy. Yeah. My number two, I, I, I hope you haven't seen this movie. It's on Netflix. It's called hard kill. Nah, I never heard of it. It's a, uh, Bruce Willis, Jesse McHiff, and sad to say, my girl, Natalie Ava Marie is in it. Yeah, yeah. The but redheaded mistress. It, it's on Netflix, a little action thriller. If Dude, it's, it's your stupid boilerplate. Oh, revolutionary technology can't be taken by the military. It could be terrorists, blah, 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 blah. Dude, Jesse Metcalf, some of the worst acting from Bruce Willis too. From from everyone, the, the storyline, the entire movie was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I, I don't know. It, it was. What's it about? It, again, it's it's revolutionary technology could be misused by military, and it could be terrorists could be taken it obviously to, to to blow up something to to bribe someone to take their money, and he takes um Bruce Willis's daughter, and Jesse Metcalf goes to kind of to save him is a uh, fucking. Um, paid for hire. It's typical dog shit action <laughs> acting. It did do. It was an hour and thirty, if that, on Netflix, and everything. It was one. It was like watching a dumpster fire, but you couldn't look away. You were like, I, I have to see this crap to the. It, it started as shit. It ended as shit, and I was like, Wow, Bruce Willis literally just did this one for the paycheck. So just please skip. Hard kill, hard pass. Wow. Jeez Louise. Um, did the worst list is getting us more fired up than the great list. No, I, I, in my head, I was like, this is going to be the best list. <laughs> <laughs> my number two. I hope you see my number one. Please, God. To the shock of literally everyone listening to this. is going to be very shocked at this. My number two. Super Mario 3D All-Stars. 
on the Nintendo Switch. The box art bothered you that much? <laughs> oh my god. You remember yeah. he raved? He he oh god, if you don't remember him, he got it and he was so disappointed in, in the actual case that the game came in. He was so disappointed. I knew just from that he was gonna crap all over this game. Yes, I am glad it's the number two. <laughs> I uh well it's just the three box arts combined into one. There's nothing special about it. That's what and that's what I say about this entire collection. There's nothing special about it. Yeah. It's Mario's 35th anniversary. 35. He's older than we are, but he gets treated for like a cash grab. And you just threw three games onto a little con onto a little cartridge and said, You'll buy it, suckers. And I bought two. And the problem is I was expecting something more than we got. It was only announced two or three weeks before it came out. So I didn't even have time to look into what the fuck the package would be. And then they said, oh, it's only going to be available till March 31st, 2021. It's limited edition. So you got to go buy it. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll get two because I'll sell one for, you know, I'll, I'll be that guy. I'll sell one in 10 years. So hopefully it'll, but it's not going to be, I've wasted my time and my money because nobody wants this fucking game. It's charting for $42 right now. I love Love, love, love the three games included. It's not about the games. Super Mario Galaxy is a classic. Super Mario Sunshine's phenomenally underrated gem. Super Mario 64 is the godfather of 3D platformers and arguably one of the greatest games of all time. It's not about those three titles. Great. They got up res to HD. I think they're awesome. That's beautiful. I loved playing them. I had that whimsical, nostalgic feeling in beating all three games. I sat there. I put in my time. But when you get an anniversary collection, don't you want a little art book? Don't you want a little behind the scenes, a little developer interview, a little bit of Miyamoto saying, you know what? Here's some fucking concept art from 1984 on the original Marvel. Something to feel like it was a special celebration. No, we got three soundtracks that you can play anytime. Like, what the fuck is that? I don't want the soundtracks. I don't carry my switch around and use it as a boombox. I don't fucking know who does. So I got three games, one of them, Super Mario Sunshine, in widescreen. Fuck that. You zoomed in. That's all you did. You cut off the black lines, and it's actually making it look worse somehow. Uh, you left off Super Mario Galaxy 2, and I thought they would at least throw it in for some DLC for free down the line because maybe because of COVID it was being rushed and they had to get it out this year, so they just couldn't add it in at the time or at least they'll give it to you for free. We haven't heard a fucking peep. Now, they added some patch that inverted the controls for Sunshine after the launch. Great. That's all you did. This game's getting treated as a cash grab, and quite frankly, it fucking was. The, con the, the box art's shit. The, the little art sticker on the, the cartridge itself is shit. The startup screen is shit. There's nothing loving or special about this. And just like Psych 2, it was just really disappointing. For you to treat my favorite mascot of all time, the goddamn godfather of platformers, Mario. We're talking about Mario. Not a game. Not a game. Mario. And to treat him like that for his 35th anniversary, he deserves better. Nintendo could have delivered better. They I'm gave us a lot of Nintendo is making your top three. They gave us a lot of, yeah, not even my good top three. They weren't even on the good top three this year. There had been, they made my naughty list. They, they, they gave us an awesome game and watch that I did open and they gave us. Yeah, I told uh, you don't open it, but you opened it. 
and I loved it. I do not regret it. Uh, I they gave us Mario Kart Home Circuit. They gave us some cool shit. Mario Thirty Five, by the way, also leaving the service on March Thirty First. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Why is this leaving on March Thirty First of next year? There's no reason to at least keep it digital. I would understand if you got rid of the physical copies and said, "Yeah, this is a limited edition anniversary thing. You can still buy it digital." But you know what? Physical, we're going to make it a thing because that would at least give me a reason to have bought two, which thank you to you for going to my house and picking them up for me while I was down the seashore. But like to come home and to beat them, I literally, after I beat Sunshine, I have not even thought about putting it back into my console and I won't. There's no reason to. And that's why it's my number two worst of 2020. My number one, I, I actually saw, you know, quite recently. Um, it, it's a movie. It's on Amazon. Uh, I, you remember because the trailer I watched, I was actually excited to see it. I, I know about the character based, you know, based loosely off, you know, whatever, true story. It was Capone. Oh. With Tom. Whoa. Hall. I fucking remember this. We That was like in February or something like that. We talked about that. Yeah. You watched it. Good for you. Yeah, well, it, apparently not. Apparently not good for you. Yeah, it, it came out in it May twelfth. It came out. I was just you know late to the party. I kind of saw. I was you know what? I wanted to see this. I, I like the cast. I I I, I like the history about Al Capone. This one was kind of centered after his eleven year sentence when he was in the penitentiary. Basically, he's out because he's dying of syphilis. Uh, syphilis. He's got dementia. He's in Florida. You had a great cast. You had Linda Cardellini. Noel Fisher, Kyle McLaughlin, Matt Dillon was in it. So I was like, all right, great cast. Who is it directed by, you ask? Josh Trank. Huh, that sounds familiar? Yeah, it does. He directed the Fantastic Four reboot in 2004. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Till... As it ended, I saw director Josh Trank and I laughed. I said, wow, that's why this movie sucked. It was How a- did he get another job? I don't I don't know how he got this, but again, he had it was a 20.6 20.6 million. Obviously it was released during COVID, but it only made five hundred and fourteen thousand back. So obviously it, it bombed. Tom Hardy again acting, he changed his voice again. He he sounds obviously, you know, a man's dying of syphilis, but crazy accent. You you can't understand any you understand more of what he said as Bane than what he said here. Um Again, it was a movie that we honestly really didn't need. You know, at the last year of his life, he he can't even speak. He, he's laying there. He's looking. He's seeing stuff. He, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking that he buried some kind of money, that there could be money thing. And, and the, the, the whole point was nothing. After two hours, you're like, what was the point? There, were, there was no point of watching this. There was no point of being made. I, I, I don't even know how the hell they got the cast that they did because I really do like the cast. It, it, it's a shame. Because I, I love Al Capone, rich history. But the last year of a dying man's life when there's really there was nothing to show. Skip this. Josh Trank, sorry, you're, you're one for three. I liked you in Chronicle, but Fantastic Four, Capone, absolutely terrible. I also have an, a movie that you should skip as, your num- as my number one worst of the year. And I would rather watch Stuber than the movie that I'm about to talk about. And I oh. fucking hated Stuber. I know you Stuber, did. I, like, huh, I think what ruffled your feathers more than that. Stuber, I, I can't remember what number it was last year. It might have been one, but it was on my list of worst last year. And it's a Netflix movie. I believe it's exclusive to the platform. Ed Helms, Terrence Little Garden High, Betty Gilpin, whom I love. I love Betty Gilpin. Uh, 
David Allen Greer is in it. Coffee and Kareem. Uh, I had talked about this movie briefly on the podcast back when I had seen it. I don't even remember when. Sometime during the coronavirus, I'm pretty sure. I don't think it was before that. I don't even remember. It was pretty close to its launch. Um, it came out, uh, when did it come out? April 3rd. So it was very at the very beginning of the pandemic is when it came out. So while we were all in lockdown, an hour and 28 minutes, uh, Kareem is a young child. He is playing uh, the, the child of Taraj P. Henson, who plays Vanessa Manning. Uh, Ed Helms is a cop. He is dating her, trying to get on Kareem's good side because obviously he's not his dad and this, that, the other. So he says, I'm a cop. I'll take you in the SWAT car and I'll show you around being a cop. And it tries to be this buddy cop movie with the kid. They've done this before a million times. A movie with what's his face? Tom, Tom something back in the 80s. I can't even remember it. Uh, Tom Seaver, I think it was. He was like a cop and a little kid. Literally, they tried to retread that. It's got a 35 on Metacritic, a 5.1 on IMDb out of 11,500 ratings. Um, it's just the biggest piece of shit. I love Ed Helms. Cedar Rap. Yeah, he's, he's, he's so good. This was his worst performance of all time. The, everybody, I couldn't even – there's nobody that saved this goddamn movie. It was a big pile of shit. It was unfunny. It was uninspiring and, quite frankly, offensively bad to watch. Um, I want to read this very quick, very, very quick um, Rolling Stone uh, review. It's like three sentences. Helms, a master jester on The Office, seems to have forgotten everything he's ever learned about comedic timing. Since Coffee and Cream also credits him as a producer, he is only himself to blame. So it's not just me who feels that way. That was Rolling Stone, who gave the movie a zero. Ouch. That, that's so, let me see what Capone got. Even let me see. That's got a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Even better. I is just don't waste your fucking time on coffee and cream. And if you did, I'm really sorry. For yeah, it. and if you like that or Capone, please reach out to us. I'll tell us what you liked about it. Any really anything on our top three. You know, the, these six things defined the low point of 2020. Lady Murray was was good to look at. Yeah, okay, I agree with you there. That's it. <laughs> uh, that was our that's our We Pod Awards, our fourth annual We Pod Awards. I love this episode going through our favorites of the year, our least favorites of the year. Let's end it as we always do. Let's bring it back to like the normal structure of an episode with Sam's CGC Spotlight of the Week. So we're skipping Batman 6 because I don't own that baby yet. Hopefully soon. But we got Batman number seven, 5.0 off white, white pages. Came out October, November 1941. You have a Joker appearance. Batman begins working with the police and has an ad for Star Spangled Comics number one. It's a Bill Finger story, Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, and George Rosas art, and a Bob Kane cover. And it's just basically Batman punching a man in the face and Robin tackling a guy, but he's drawn where his face is in the guy's ass but that's beside the point it's it, it's a fantastic cover really there there's actually only 174 total copies on a census you know from a book that came out 1941 you know it, it, i'm surprised that there's that many and i have it off white white pages you know i try to stay away from that cream pages there's actually 292s on the census 490s 285s 780s and there's 1950s 
there's only 58 graded copies that are higher than mine. So I'm perfectly happy with that. You know, I'm slowly keeping that 4.0 to like a 7.5, 8.0 range. That's kind of what I'm winging at for my little Batman run. But the story we got today, the people versus Batman. Batman investigates <clears throat> a racketeering job and he's confronted by criminals. However, when Gotham City police arrive, they only see Batman and assume that he is causing the trouble. With no option, Batman runs and escapes and tries to prove his innocence as Bruce Wayne. You know, again, it's a typical trope where, you know, Batman is seen on the crime and after Bruce Wayne figures out that obviously Batman didn't do it and it was, you know, other thieves that police finally acknowledge him that, okay, Batman is trying to do good. And it's kind of big for back in the day that, hey, finally Batman's worked with the police. So it starts a good run. Then eventually we see, you know, Commissioner Gordon and all that good stuff. But Batman 7, it's I think it's an underrated cover. I, I, it reminds me of 11 because 11, he's punching Joker in the face. But the bullseye cover, I really like it. There it is, Batman 7. The way you talk about it, I got to see that cover. I can't wait to see that photo. It'll be on our Instagram at We Podcast. Yeah, when you see Robin, you're going to get a good laugh. Yeah, as we always do, we'll put the cover for Sam CGC Spotlight on our Instagram page again. Check it out at We Podcast so we know things. And, and we'll be back next week with like the normal nerd stuff, the news roundup, as we always get to. And uh, we'll have some fun with that. Uh, the stories that dropped this week, you know, Wonder Woman 1984, this, that, and the other. We'll cover that on next week's episode. I'm sure we'll have some impressions and things to say about that film. But uh, without further ado, that was it. That was 218, our friggin' We Pot Awards. 2020. I'm going to clear my notes app. I'm going to start over for 2021. It's going to start on a high note with Cobra Kai. I'm fucking psyched on that. Uh, 2021 is going to be a great year. Put that on the list for TV shows, Cobra Kai. <laughs> uh, Sam, I hope you open your notes app and, and start following the year. If you don't, eh, you only have yourself to blame. But <laughs> in all seriousness, I, I, I thought I did pretty good this year. If you know, I've not seen as much as I wanted to. I I, I pulled it together. In all seriousness, uh, again, we oh, thank everybody out there. I'm happy with gaming. Yeah, and, and, and we thank everybody out there for taking the time to listen to this. I know a lot of people like the uh, end of the year awards and the best of and the worst of stuff. So we thought we'd combine that and give it to you in one episode. And and we do it for you. So we hope you enjoyed. We hope you check out all the things on our top three, sans the last six that you had heard. And, uh, and we appreciate everybody listening. We'll see you next week for episode 219. Cheers to you. Cheers to Greg, the best host in the business. <laughs>